Welcome to Heartland FM and welcome to this programme, it's Heart and Soul. My name is Howard Simpson and I'm presenting the work of a small team of people, each of us working from home. Coming up on the programme this morning, we have the final chapter from Roy Lawrence's book, Plain Truths About Life, Faith and Healing. Malcolm Guite has a poem inspired by reading Psalm number 2. Adrian Plass reads a chapter from his book, The Unlocking, and towards the end of the programme we hear more from the Reverend Matthew Robertson, more of his life's experiences, this time as an army chaplain. We've got the notice board, which doesn't change very much these days, and we've got music. And to start the music, we have the choir of Chester Cathedral with a contemporary Christian song by Darlene Check. It is My Jesus, My Saviour, or shout to the Lord. Oh, 
In recent weeks here on Heart and Soul, we've been listening to the audiobook comprising articles by the late Roy Lawrence. These articles first appeared in the Plain Truth magazine. So now we come to the final of these. Inner Healing Few things in life are more precious than a sense of inner peace. Even if we're going through times of darkness and difficulty, as long as we have a still centre at the core of our being, this will help us to keep calm and carry on. The problem is that inner peace can sometimes be a fragile thing. There are perhaps three big threats that can destroy it. They are guilt, anger and fear. The good news is that the Christian faith can help us deal with all these threats and show us how to discover inner healing if we rest in its truth. Starting with guilt. Actually, I hope that there are certain things that do make us feel guilty. The Bible tells us again and again that we are all sinners. Romans 3.23 All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. John 1.18 If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. To the men who were about to stone a woman taken in adultery, Jesus said, Let him who has no sin throw the first stone. And at these words they had the grace to slink away. If you find that a sense of guilt is disturbing your inner peace, you may be surprised to know that my first word to you is congratulations. Don't feel guilty about feeling guilty. We could do with more guilt in society, not less. So what is the Christian answer to the loss of peace that can be caused by a sense of guilt? Society thinks that the answer to the distress that guilt can cause is to be found in the concept of permissiveness. But society is wrong. Permissiveness tells us that sin isn't really all that sinful, that a little of what you fancy does you good, irrespective of whether it is right or wrong. Permissiveness hides behind a winking, smirking mask. However, if we look behind the mask, there isn't really much to smirk about. There is little perceptiveness, little healing, little awareness of the laws of cause and effect here. By contrast, the Christian faith points us not to the concept of permissiveness, but to that of forgiveness, which is totally different. Forgiveness sees things exactly as they are and knows all about the laws of cause and effect. It doesn't pretend that there is no difference between right and wrong. It knows that we cannot break God's laws with impunity. However, it also knows that God's capacity for love is greater than our capacity for sin and folly, and that, amazingly, God is prepared to pay the price for staying in relationship with us through all that Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's when we open ourselves to that forgiveness that God's love is able to bring healing to the deepest places of our being. We don't fancy owning up to those flaws and follies that disturb our peace, but it's when we make our way to the foot of the cross and ask for forgiveness that we begin to rediscover inner wholeness and sometimes to experience a new physical wholeness too. I well remember Joanna, whose skin rash cleared up before my eyes 
when she found forgiveness for a sin long since past. So I wonder whether this might be the moment for an act of repentance and confession at the foot of the cross, for someone hearing these words. It may not be an enjoyable prayer, it may involve some pain for the moment, but it could be the means of discovering a new inner healing, which will make any temporary discomfort more than worthwhile. Next, anger. This is a world with a great deal of anger in it. There is probably much more anger in you and me than we may realise. If I'm leading a conference and am having difficulty in starting a group discussion, I've learned that a surefire way of doing so is to ask group members what are the sorts of things that irritate them most. There's rarely a shortage of response to that. One reason why we don't always recognise the amount of anger around us and in us is that it shows itself in so many different ways. Sometimes it shows itself in its true colours, a fit of temper complete with clenched fists, clenched teeth, red face, raised voice, raised blood pressure. But sometimes it's held partly in check and so little more than low-grade resentment shows on the surface and sometimes it's completely repressed. It becomes the unconscious background to a feeling of black depression. It can turn itself into physical symptoms, a headache, a stomach ulcer, tightness across the chest, a fast, bumpy heart. It can be completely misdirected, taken out on quite the wrong person. Anger can be dangerous in all sorts of ways, even leading to attempts at suicide if we allow it to do a U-turn and to focus back on ourselves. And we pause there to listen to some music. And it's a tune, it's one of Scott Skinner's Scottish fiddle tunes called The Flower of the Corn. It's in CH4, that's the Church Henry 4th edition, and there it's set to William Cowper's hymn, Oh for a Closer Walk with God. And we've got it sung here by the Edinburgh University Singers.
I well remember Greg, whom I managed to pull back from the verge of suicide by helping him to become aware of his anger and of the fact that there was a remedy for it at the heart of the Christian gospel. What then is that remedy? It's a strange one, and it may surprise you. Archbishop Robert Layton once put it into an unforgettable phrase, We Christians are privileged, he said, to vent our rage into the bosom of God. It would seem that much anger, if we would only admit it, is at root a desire to rage at God. He created us. He put us into a world where there are many troubles, and though he didn't create those troubles, nonetheless, for reasons which we often cannot understand, God allows them. However, Christianity is unique among world religions in teaching that God allows us to be totally honest with him about how this makes us feel. We can do exactly as Archbishop Leighton said. If we feel uneasy about this, we can at any rate know that it is a thoroughly biblical process. Listen to Moses raging against God in the 11th chapter of the book of Numbers. Lord, why have you treated me so badly? Why have you given me responsibility for all these people? I cannot be responsible. It's too much. If you're going to treat me like this, kill me so that I won't have to endure your cruelty any longer. There are many instances of anger against God in the Bible. Elijah, Job, Jonah, Jeremiah and others too all rage against God. The book of Lamentations could be retitled The Book of Raging. Have a look at the opening verses of chapter 3, for example. So, if you have identified anger in yourself, be honest about it to God. Let it rip when you say your prayers. If you're doing it under the surface, you might as well come clean about it to God. Even if you find yourself hammering the nails into the hands of the Son of God and ramming on the crown of thorns, re-crucifying Christ, amazingly, he will still love you, and your rage and all its destructive power will drain away, as you realise in the words of Joy Reardon, that God is a very safe person to be angry with. And then fear. Psychotherapist Harry Guntrip used to teach that the greatest enemy of life at its fullest and best is fear. Like anger, fear can show itself in many ways. Sometimes it directs itself at something specific, like a forthcoming operation. Sometimes the cause makes no sense at all, a fear of open spaces or of something as harmless as a moth. Sometimes there seems no object at all, but the fearfulness is just present deep inside us. Different people come into my mind. Millie is a natural warrior. If there's nothing to worry about, she'll invent something. Dave becomes aggressive because of his fearfulness. On the other hand, Poppy can't bear to be ignored. She has to be the centre of attention. At first, she looks confident, but after a while you start to see the anxiety under the surface. Then there's Alexander, who's afraid of relationships, afraid of being hurt, and so always keeps his distance. The good news is that just as the Christian faith can deal with guilt and anger, so it can provide the resources to deal with fearfulness. God can heal our fear by a miracle of identification through Jesus. When life is at its lowest and darkest point, 
we can discover Jesus in the depths. He's the Saviour who comes to us from below. Even in times of total dereliction and despair, we can encounter the one who himself experienced dereliction on the cross and who has promised, I am with you always. His presence has always been a healing presence, and it is still so. We love the 23rd Psalm because we rightly apply its words to Jesus, our own Good Shepherd. It is so good to be able to say to him, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And to know that this applies not just to the moment of physical death, but to the most deadly experiences that this life can afford. In the words of the Good News Bible, Even though I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. It's a truth to test for ourselves. And so to prayer. The odds are that you and I all need some measure of interior healing, but millions have found that Jesus can bring that to us. His promise rings through the ages. In me you may have peace. We discover it both as we stand at his side and as we kneel at his cross. And here is a prayer which embodies that discovery. Lord, I thank you that you know me better than I know myself. And I thank you that though I am far from lovable, you still love me with all your heart. Thank you for this love and for the healing it can bring me. Help me to accept it into the very core of my being. Let your holy and healing will be done in each one of us, beginning in this life and then blossoming into eternity. Alleluia. Amen. And that was the last chapter in the book by the late Roy Lawrence. Roy used to be a frequent contributor to Heart and Soul before he died. That was just over two years ago. The book is called Plain Truths About Life, Faith and Healing and you can get more details from the Plain Truth magazine's website. The website is plain-truth.org.uk got the usual www dot in front of it. plain-truth.org.uk Music by Sibelius coming up, Finlandia. Here it is set to words by Gloria Gaither and it's sung by the Gaither Vocal Band, so here is I Then Shall Live.
Then Shall Live, sung by the Gala Vocal Band. 
Time now to have a look at the notice board and not a lot changes on the notice board despite the easing a bit of lockdown. It's mainly what's on the internet. By the way, did you notice that uh, recently the moderator of the Church of Scotland suggested that the church had moved on 10 years in 10 days, referring particularly to increased use of the internet and also the increased in voluntary work in the various communities? However, let's have a look at some of the internet things uh, to do with the local area. Uh, the Upper Tay churches have a service which can be found through their websites, for instance, Aberfeldy Church or Dullanweem or Logirate. And that's one that you can get on your phone if you don't have the internet or if you prefer the phone. The number for that one is 01887, Aberfeldy code, 01887 That's 01887 and you wait about 20 seconds for it to start. But similarly, Pitlochry Church of Scotland, you can get a service from Mary Haddo uh, through the website or perhaps the Facebook page. And this is now another one that you can get on the phone. 01796 is the Pitlochry code and then the number is 517004. That's 517004. Pitlochry Baptist Church, there's a service on their YouTube channel at 11 o'clock and then it's available on YouTube thereafter. And you can also hear it here on Heartland FM at 1 o'clock today. Dunkeld Cathedral have one through their website or their YouTube channel. There's also a, a recent a one to do with Messy Church on the Dunkeld Cathedral the website, if, you, if that's um, something that might interest you. Again, Bankfoot joined with West, Kintyre and Gia with Scott Burton, who used to be the minister at St Matthew's Perth. Uh, and uh, you can also pick up a messy church online from the Bankfoot website. Once again, as I have been doing, I'll mention Perth North Church again because the minister, Ken Stott, he has a daily thought for the day on his Facebook page. And... Uh, he seems to be continuing that. Whether he really thought there would be so many when he started off, I, I really don't know. Continuing the notice board, though, uh, many of the churches also have other activities in smaller groups using virtual coffee mornings or discussions or prayer groups. I'd never heard of Zoom before, but Zoom is one of the things uh, that you can use for this uh, ask, ask the local church that you're interested in and see if they've got anything that you could join in that connection using Zoom or, or some other method. I'll mention again my co-presenter David Wilkes' lockdown project. He's been developing a podcast called Scott Thoughts, Scott Thoughts uh, which you can access via Spotify. It includes pieces by Mary Haddle, the late Les Brown of Pitlochry, and also some things done 12 years or more ago for Heart and Soul by Willie Wright. Uh, these, the Willie Wright's ones, are about various hymns and hymn writers and songwriters and their works. That's Scott Thoughts, which is Scott with a capital Scott, capital T for thoughts, but it's all one word, and you can get it via Spotify. 
And finally, sounds inspirational. It'll be the first Tuesday of the month, so Lynn's Honeyman invites us to board his gospel blues train on Tuesday evening at 7, with another chance on Thursday evening at 10. But we've got uh, music now. It's Charles Gabriel's, and it's called I Stand Amazed. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene And wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, and my song shall stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Just a reminder though that you're tuned to Heartland FM on 97.5 or the digital access channel or perhaps heartland.scot. 
If you're in one of the hospitals in the Dundee area, it'll be Bridge FM that you're getting us by. But wherever you are and by whatever means, welcome to Heartland FM and welcome to Heart and Soul with me, Howard Simpson. I'm presenting the work here of a small team of people, each of us working from home. Reminder too of our sister programme Sounds Inspirational, Tuesday evening at 7, repeated Thursday evening at 10, and this week it's Lynn's Honeyman with his Gospel Blues train. Lynn's lives in the Perth area, by the way. Let's hear now from Malcolm Geit. Malcolm Geit has been writing short poems inspired by his reading of some of the Psalms. This one is inspired by Psalm 2, which concludes with the words, Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So, here is Malcolm Geit with his poem. A response to Psalm 2. Then let the chaff of life just blow away the cynic scoffer and the evil troll, the hunters and the haters who hold sway in raging Twitter storms, the ones who scroll through hate and hit lists in their tiny rage, are dust upon the mirror of your soul. Blow them away, the idols of this age, and let their fury settle in the mire. Uncap your pen and open a clean page, for now the Lord will give you your desire. And set you high upon his holy hill. He draws you to the garden through the fire. Back to the fountain where those waters spill that christened you as his beloved child. That you may find your peace in his good will. And Malcolm Geit's poem was inspired by reading Psalm number 2. But uh, with more music now, uh, this one comes from the praise band based at Kirkton Church. Carl Luke has two titles, two possible titles. One of them is Blessing and Honour or The Ancient of Days.
And there you heard the praise band based at Cacton Church, Carluke, with Blessing and Honour. Adrian Plass has a book called The Unlocking. It's uh, published by the Bible Reading Fellowship. And we're going to hear from Adrian now as he reads one of the chapters. It's about opening up and us being vulnerable. But let's listen to what Adrian has to say. Opening up. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Quite often, when I'm speaking to a group of people, I'll say, let's face it, we're all a load of rat bags when it comes down to it, aren't we? Very occasionally, some highly respectable churchgoer will flush and bristle at the indignity of being described in this way, but generally speaking, a gentle wave of relaxation and relief ripples through the gathering of saints. It's not going to be one of those evenings. Mind you, Bringing our weakness into the light can be a terribly painful experience. I remember all too vividly an evening which occurred some years ago, not long after I'd taken on a new job working with children. It had become abundantly clear that most of the members of the staff group I was supposed to be leading were not at all happy with the way I was doing my job. The criticism was unspoken, but it was beginning to poison the atmosphere of the unit in which we all worked. It felt essential to create some kind of opportunity for the unspoken to be spoken, so I invited the whole staff group to my house and suggested they tell me where I was going wrong. This they proceeded to do, most of them, in some detail and at some length. Afterwards, when they'd gone, I cried. It was probably unwise to voluntarily provoke such a barrage of criticism, but I do know that things improve from that day. There's something about voicing criticism openly that forces critics to look at their own weaknesses. We are all ratbags, and that's what this passage is about. Of course, habitual and intentional evil is a component of walking in darkness, but for most of us, problems occur when we won't allow the light to shine on quite ordinary problems, sins and deficiencies when we, as members of the body of Christ, are ruefully, humorously, sometimes tearfully honest with each other, there is forgiveness in the very air that we breathe. When I was abroad two years ago, I met a Christian who'd wrestled all his life with the most perverse of sexual temptations. I was the first person to whom he'd revealed his problem. I've never seen such an amalgam of mental, spiritual and physical pain as that man suffered in this act of self-revelation. It hurt him, and it challenged me, but in that moment of confession, the light burst through, and we were in true fellowship. Pray with me. Lord, I would like to be more vulnerable, but I'll tell you what really troubles me. If I open up and talk about myself, will other people do the same? Or will they lose their nerve and look at me as if I've come from a different planet? How do you know who it's all right to tell things to? Suppose they gossip, I couldn't stand that. Find me one or maybe two people to practice on. Look after me as I open up, Father. Amen. 
Adrian Ploss, and I'm not at all sure about inviting my colleagues round to to, uh, to my house and then inviting them to criticise uh, the way I work, but uh, there you are. Ella Fitzgerald now, and she's encouraging us to brighten the corner where we are. Brighten the corner do not wait until some deed of greatness you may do. Do not wait to shed your light afar. To the many duties ever near you now be true. Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you are. Someone far from harbor you may guide across the bar Brighten the corner where you are Brighten the corner where you are Just above our clouded skies that you may help to clear Don't let selfishness your way debar Though into one heart alone may fall your song of cheer Brighten the corner where you are Brighten the corner where you are Brighten the corner where you are Someone far from harbor you may guide across the bar Brighten the corner Here for all your talent you may surely find a need Here reflect the bright and morning star Even from your humble hand the bread of life may feed Fitzgerald, and the song was Brighten the Corner, Where You Are. In the days way back before lockdown, Matthew Robertson spoke to Pitlochry Church of Scotland Guild. He was recounting some of his life story. We've listened into a few excerpts in recent weeks, and now we hear about his 27 years as an army chaplain. And these years behind me, like all young ministers, I was required to do a probationary year. I was appointed assistant at Dunblane Cathedral. And an interesting small aside here, when I was being interviewed for Dunblane Cathedral, I was asked whether I came of old parish church stock or from the United Free Church settings. And that was almost 40 years after the majority of the Free Church had come back into the Church of Scotland. I found that very interesting. I had a happy year there. The minister was the Reverend Dr. John R. Gray, who later went on to become moderator of our General Assembly. 
Mr. Gray was a, he was a minister of the old school who exercised a strong, masculine type of ministry. <coughs> a very caring pastor. He was keen for me to go to a rural parish, but when he saw that I wanted to do a few years in the forces, uh, he said he would support me. He himself had been a wartime naval chaplain. So I applied for army chaplaincy, was interviewed and was accepted, and therein lay my ministry for the next 27 years. It was a ministry that much suited me, and fortunately also it suited my wife and her two children likewise enjoyed flying out to join us during the school holidays when we were overseas for continuity of education with the two of them to Dollar Academy where they were thoroughly happy. Now let me emphasize that the high aim of the ministry is the same wherever it is discharged. It is simply that a chaplain to Her Majesty's forces serves in a particular sphere. The army is still seen as one great institution that does our country proud. To the pacifist, soldiers go into battle prepared to kill. For my 27 years among them, I know from personal experience that what is uppermost in their minds is not the thought of killing, but of being killed. And that calls for a special kind of pastoral ministry, at one and the same time sensitive and robust. It can be a lonely ministry, it can be a frustrating ministry, it's a challenging ministry. I found it a most satisfying ministry, and certainly a most necessary ministry, the task of maintaining Christian ordinances among the men and women and the families, wherever in the world our soldiers may serve. Scotland loves her Scottish regiments, and we should be quietly grateful that our soldiers still today patrol freedom's front line. I'm not sure where they all are at the moment. I know that the Royal Scots have just recently returned from Afghanistan for the second or third time. Serving the Royal Army Chaplain's Department took me from Hong Kong in the east to Belize, British Honduras in the west, with places like Kenya, Cyprus, <coughs> Georgia in the Persian Gulf, Germany, Denmark, and of course the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland, and working alongside colleagues of differing denominations. Oddly enough, I only served once in England. Scottish regiments do serve in England, but not when I was with them. All Church of Scotland chaplains would expect to spend their earlier years with a Scottish regiment. And I was almost five years each with the Queen's own Highlanders, the old Seafield and Cameron Highlanders, and the King's own Scottish borderers. Unless there is an acute shortage Every Scottish regiment always has its own chaplain, always. And as a result of that, we're very much the envy of our Church of England eh, colleagues. It means that when we join a regiment, there's already made place for the chaplain, or the padre, as he is called. And he's very much a key person involved in all aspects of regimental life. But he's particularly privileged in that 
unlike other officers, he is free to bypass the normal chain of command with ready access anywhere in the system. Because of his proximity to the men and an accompanied posting to their families, he is with them and among them at their work and at their play in times too of sorrow, stress and danger. And through that close contact, he's able to offer the sort of universal availability that is in theory what the concept of the National Church is about. The bond between Scotland and our soldiers is a strong one, and caring for the spiritual welfare is a vital area of our Church's witness. There are many thousands of servicemen and their families, as well as their kith and kin back here in Scotland, who look to our national church to provide that ministry which in civilian life is normally available. And yet all three services are vacancies for young ministers in the forces. And that was Matthew Robertson speaking to Pitlochry Church of Scotland Guild in the days before lockdown. And we'll hear some more from uh, him next week. But meantime, time for music, and this is Patsy Cline, and he'll do for you. Once my soul was in sin and my heart was in shame I didn't know Jesus Not even his name Then I heard a voice say Won't you come unto me And he will do for you What he's done for me Give him a chance Give him a chance and let him show you He'll answer when you call His love is the sweetest His promise is free For he will do for you What he's done for me Klein and the song he'll do for you and that's us once again 
Thank you for listening. Our thanks too to Matthew Robertson there, Adrian Plass, Malcolm Guide, and the publishers of the Plain Truth magazine for the audiobook by articles by the late Roy Lawrence. The book's called Plain Truths About Faith, Life and Healing. And we'll uh, have concluded that, but you can get in touch with the website if you want more details. Eddie Rose is on After News at 9, Colin Phillips at 11, Dave Barrys at 1, Anne-Marie at 2, Mike Marwick at 5, Ian Moyes at 7, Chris Stanton at 9, and that's all here on Heartland FM. Meantime, this is Howard Simpson, wishing you a good day, a good week and God's blessing, and I'll leave you with Laura and Mark Flores, and you are my strength. Darkness became as the light of day. 